often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 439. I am your host, Josh Albrecht, sitting again once sitting once again inside the uh, Slapbox bunker. As I'm um, having some issues with the soundboard here. Uh, yeah, hopefully it doesn't go out. I'm getting weird lights, buzzes. Appears that it's recording now, so hopefully it's good. Hopefully it, uh, these compression lights are on for some un unknown reason to me it's been doing some weird shit seems like it uh fucks up after a while after uh leaving it plugged in so i've been this board is really weird there's no power button it just as soon as you plug it in there's power to it so i've just been trying to keep it unplugged and uh hoping it'll last a while longer i don't have money to really get another board i got another board over at uh the muffin hut but uh i don't it's a bigger board. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to use it on this desk here. It's it takes up too much room. This one here is only like a can only plug in four mics and it's just a small little desktop deal. And uh it seems like I maybe maybe I've had that for 2 years. I don't even know if I've had it for that long. I don't think I got it was, a, it was about $100. I don't remember how much I paid for it. Um the other board has been a, a real trooper. They're both Behringers. Every board I've owned has actually been a Behringer. I believe that's a German company. But they, they've let me down on this one. The first board I had for the uh, podcast was already old by the time I started using it. Uh, Jackman gave that to me. and uh, whew, We used that one for several years before I got uh, <clears throat> the board that's at the Muffin Man's abode. As uh, that one, That one's still a, a boss I don't remember how many channels that is but it's it's a good solid board it is uh held strong anyway so uh I feel like the board's gonna hold up hopefully <laughs> maybe I'll have to take a bar pause here and there but um so I I finally did get my car fixed the uh, Mini Cooper that I've got the 2014 uh two-door hardtop uh, Cooper S that is, um, after dealing, having to deal with Silver Rock, the people that do the, uh, the warranty on the car has been a huge headache. Uh, finally did get them to, uh, approve to, for me to take it to a mini dealership. I think I talked about it in the last podcast that I was going to do that. And I did take it to the mini dealership. They were really cool over there. Uh, I know deal though dealerships are really expensive. Uh, I, <laughs> Can't imagine myself wanting to take it to the mini dealership for a lot of repairs and such. Uh, hopefully I get good at doing stuff myself. Because, <laughs> um, man, I I really shot myself in the foot by getting a mini. I mean, these things, those cars are expensive. <laughs> but, man, I really, really wanted one. Anyway, took it to the mini dealership. They gave me a loaner, which was cool. It was another Mini Cooper. I'm not sure what. It was probably like a 2020 or 2019, somewhere in there. It was a four-door uh, hard, hard top did have the sunroof just like mine. Um, it was automatic though. I was a little bummed by that, a little bummed, and it wasn't an S, so not as quite as much power. But it was fun to drive around for a, a day. I guess I had it. 
Uh, when I did take it to the dealership, they were all really cool over there. Uh, Armin was the guy over there in the service department I dealt with. Uh, I uh, read his little bio, too. I didn't realize when I was talking to him that he's actually originally from Bosnia. He had apparently an interesting story. Wish I would have gotten to know him a little bit. Like this, He came to the U.S. apparently in 99 or so, something like that. But he was he was very helpful. He was uh, actually lives over in Eureka, so he had actually said if I had wanted, he would meet me halfway, and drop my car off to me in Eureka. But I was off work, so I was like, "Yeah, fuck it, I'll drive out there. Let's get a little extra t- drive time, spend some more on gas." But uh, so yeah, uh, so when they looked at it again, you know, Carvana does their own inspections emissions and safety inspections and uh they have their what's 140 point search or, or you know inspection whatever the fuck uh something like that and they everything's passed with flying colors not quite so whenever uh the mini of st louis looked at it and they, this is over in maplewood too by the way if you're curious to where the, the dealership is it's uh right over uh by uh, brentwood and all that Actually, really close to uh, the Shrewsbury uh, Metrolink station, which is also where the fucking awesome, most awesome restaurant in St. Louis is, according to me, that is. <laughs> well, Devin, the Russian restaurant that's ran by a mother and daughter, seats like 20 people. Fucking, I don't know if it's still there. Uh, I hope so. I'd like to go back there some point. But uh, anyway, <laughs> it's around that area. And when uh, Minnie checked out my car, they had found the problem was the fuel pump was the problem as to why I was getting check engine light. And uh, there's, man, there is no fucking way this thing could have passed an emissions test and everything. They must, Carvana, they did not do a good job. Um, and while they were inspecting it, they also noticed that uh, two engine, two uh, motor mounts were uh, bad. Leaking oil and stuff, and uh, they were uh, they were not good. And they sent pictures over to Silver Rock, who does the warranty, and they would only agree to pay for one of the motor mounts. <laughs> and I was like, well, fuck, they're already fixing it anyway, so I had agreed to go ahead and pay out of my pocket for the other thing. I'm like, I don't even want to fight anymore. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cancel my extended warranty shit, all the warranty shit with Silver Rock, and just like. This, this is just a fucking been a, a huge hassle having to deal with them. So I'm like, they win, I guess. All, although they're gonna lose because they're not gonna get my money in the future. Uh, so that they were, their warranty was worthless, at least for a Mini Cooper. I feel like, from what I understand, the guy over at Meineke that I had originally taken the car to, he had said Silver Rock does pay for stuff, but man, it it can take a good long while. It can take a week, two weeks before you can get them to pay for anything but they did of course after i was spent several phone calls talking to them about my car and the issues i had they did pay for most everything with the mini cooper thing except for that one uh motor mount and uh which was bullshit that they wouldn't pay for that i don't know why they would pay for the one and not the other i guess they <laughs> some more shit but, uh, yeah, they should have really caught that when they first inspected the car. That's some, some horse shit. Horse shit. <laughs> uh, other news, though, in, in my going on in my life, which not a whole lot, you know, but I you know, did have pretty much a whole week off work. That was pretty nice getting some sleep, and I 
had some dental work done and my bite is off and I believe that was causing me my tooth pain. I think they did grind down my teeth a little bit where I had some fillings and a and such and a crown and hopefully it seems like it's a little bit better now. I think they might have to adjust a little bit more. Tooth pain is the worst, man. It'll keep you up at night. It's no good. But I've been able to sleep a little bit better since then. It was like Thursday. But I've also uh, put an application in to uh, see about getting a mortgage loan so I can buy a house for the first time. As uh, I don't really, I'm kind of torn on the fact of wanting to buy a house. Like I don't want to maintenance a house. <laughs> Have to deal with all of that shit. But renting places, rent around here has really skyrocketed. And uh, I don't want to go work, live in like an apartment complex or a condo or anything like that. I don't want to have to deal with people. So a house seems like a better option. And, you know, I, I got all this guitar shit now. Well, I've always had guitars. But I, the, in the last year I've uh, procured some other things and you know, gotten back into it a little bit. So it'd be nice to have some some area for that, and also, it'd be great uh, having a house with several rooms, more than just like one bedroom, so I can uh, have a podcast, you know, room set up. And uh, I've looked into possibly, but this, oh, I don't, I don't know. This is I'm conflicted about this because this seems like it's not going to make me any money. Just create a lot of work for myself. But I thought about setting up uh, the board that I have at Muffin Man's and like get a real nice setup going on, and then maybe renting out podcast stuff so people can come in and record their own podcasts. And uh, but this this seems like it could be a headache. I know you know I've had several friends now that have recorded bands and stuff, and I imagine it's going to be a lot like that where uh, bands when they want to record. They just assume that uh, all their stuff is awesome. They're going to make all this money off recording. And, hey, the lights went off my board. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they they just think, like, ooh, you can just record it for me, and then I'll pay you once I start making all this big-time cash kind of situation. Not uh, not everybody that records music thinks this way and such, but there can be a lot of, there can be a lot of headaches. And, and the, uh, people have run into this, too, I know, like uh, like printing shirts and stuff. But, uh, like, I just envision somebody that it, it doesn't know anything about recording podcasts. This is this is the downside. Like, why? Like, my my rationality of like why this could be bad. Uh, I know that there are people that rent out podcast studios. So, I mean, this is a thing, and people do make money off of it. Uh, so, I mean, I could. I could definitely do that, but uh, I, I foresee that perhaps people that don't know much about podcasts and stuff will see will see that they're gonna, going to uh, they're going to think they're going to make a ton of money going into it, and uh, <laughs> I haven't really tried to make a whole lot of money. To be fair, but I've made zero money out of podcasting, not a fucking dime. Um, a lot of that's probably my own fault, but you know. <laughs> I could have been better at that. I I guess I uh but, you know, I feel like that a lot of people are going to come into the misconception that they're just going to come right out of the gate and make a lot of money is the, is the fear that I have in doing this, but 
like if somebody has like a local business or something like that, I don't know, maybe I could test the waters somehow doing it. I'm not going to be able to charge a whole lot, I don't think, right out of the gate. My my equipment's not the greatest either. So, But I, if I have a nice setup, I feel like I might be able to make some money off it. I, I did see online that there are people that charge about, I don't know, $50 to $100 an hour, something like that, for podcasting. And also, there could be more work in it for me because people are probably going to expect me to, say, uh, edit the podcast and also... Uh, you know, put it up on iTunes and all that and run all probably their website and all that shit. So it could be a massive headache for me. Maybe I could just rent out the studio and then be like, point you in the right direction as far as doing all the editing and stuff. You know, I, this is audacity. This is how you uh, clip a file, you know, that sort of thing. That's because the idea was, you know, I've got this stuff and I only use it once a week as it is. And, uh, I was like, I'm going to need some more money if I'm uh, going to be buying a house when I just bought a car. It seemed like one way I could create some extra income. Then again, though, I mean, not, I'm really talking myself out of it here. Like thinking about uh, all the work that could be involved in it. Uh, oh, yeah, I was going to look up. Uh, oh, I can't spell spell tonight. Uh yeah. Renting AMC theaters. <clears throat> Renting podcast studio. Let's look at some uh podcastrental.com. There's a podcast rental thing near me. Yeah, here's one uh $100 an hour. My shit's not good enough to, <laughs> to request $100 an hour and stuff. But there's some there's some for like 48 50 like I feel like I should definitely not charge as much as them man some of them are though some of these are really fucking nice studios though I'm like fuck man maybe I should go in there and <laughs> rent out a studio but no no that's not happening oh $25 an hour shit I have a hard time hmm that one I might have better put well They've got still have screens and stuff. I don't have. I see the problem is too. I'm not gonna be able to pay for. You know what? I don't see even the cities that are listed. I don't even see St. Louis on here. So I don't know that there's anybody around here that's like uh, renting out space. There's a there's a map. Just look at the map. Uh, hey, there's some in Africa. I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, control, zoom, here we go. Kansas City's the nearest one. Oh, wait, what is it? There's red and then there's blue. I don't know what the fucking... Yeah, Kansas City's like the nearest one. Oh, there's... Then there's a few in Arkansas. Yeah, so there's nowhere near here. So I wouldn't have any, comp at least on this website, that's on uh, podcastrental.com. I feel like there's probably people that do it near here. Um, oh, here we go. Shock City Studios in St. Louis. They they do it. They probably, looks like they got a nice studio. I'm thinking, oh, I bet they probably, uh, probably a pretty penny. I don't know. I'm just thinking out 
business model here, but uh, <laughs> they don't have a website. What the fuck? Who doesn't have what? Oh, there we go. There's a website. I want to check out the website. Oh, no, I didn't mean to click on that. Uh, didn't mean to do that. Just a picture of all the people that work there. Okay. Uh, looks like they record music and and various other things. I don't plan on doing that. I'm not going to be recording any music unless I just get bored and want to record my guitar playing or something. But uh, <clears throat> there's a lounge booth. Mm, amenities. They're in Overland. Uh, do, do, do. Oh, yeah. There's a, here we go. There's a rates. There's guidelines for uh, COVID. I imagine they're probably going to wash shit down. Spray that shit down, yo. Board's still working, apparently. I did kind of fuck with the pots a little bit and moved, moved the knobs around a bunch, tried to loosen some shit up. Uh, standard is $80 an hour. Quantity discount is $70 per hour for purchasing six hours or more. Hours can be used for over multiple days. See, this is like a full recording studio, though, too. I mean, they record music, but you can go in there and do, like, podcasts. See, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to charge this kind of money. But, hell, even if I could do, if I could get, like, a few people a week and just did, just did, like, $40 for an hour or something, like, I feel like that would, uh, <clears throat> That could potentially make some money, but I don't know that there's that many people wanting to record podcasts. It's also the thing. I would only need a couple of people a week. Convince. I don't know. Again, could be a real problem. A lot of work. Hmm. I would I would think... I looked into uh, actually getting a better board because when I started having problems, I wanted to get this one that was more like friendly towards people that aren't very good at uh, sound engineering. Uh, not that I'm the greatest, but there's, uh, it's one for 600 bucks, which, uh, didn't have any, that many mic. I think you can only plug in like four mics, maybe five. I'm not sure. But, uh, it had, uh, basically buttons you could reprogram on there so you could play your sound clips and such like that. So, you know, if you wanted to say, uh, let's see here, just, you know, throw a little chewy in there. Or, uh, I take it back. Little, you know, some Star Wars shit. Just throw it in there. There's, uh, we're not homosexual, but we are willing to learn. You can hit that right on the board, which for me, it's not really a problem because I got a, uh, Jazzler show, which is an old program, a cart rotation program where you can just create a soundboard on here and just hit different buttons. You can put all kinds of different pages and just, what? (laughs) You know, you can click on all kinds of shit. But I figured having the board, then I could have other people hitting, you know, they could fuck with shit. But it would be easier. I I wouldn't really need that. But a better board would (laughs) probably come in handy considering I'm having issues with this one. Glad I didn't just put that on the credit card. Oh, you know. (laughs) Need to start saving some money. In other news, though, there's uh, a... uh, Indiana Jones video game coming out, and uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I love Indiana Jones. I've uh, 
there was uh <laughs> I think was there more than one? I know there were, shit, I guess there I feel like there was more than one Indiana Jones game. There was the Temple of Doom and I I feel like there was another one after that. Yeah, there was the Last Crusade as well. There was uh the, the Temple of Doom and the Last Crusade. Um but they uh you know, I'm going to hit this and mute it. Mute. All right, I'm watching a playthrough of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I remember playing that one briefly, but the Last Crusade I remember, uh, I guess, a little bit better because there was, like, the tank stage and such. But, uh, man, the graphics. <laughs> I haven't played an original Nintendo game in a long time. Uh, I believe it's Ubisoft. Was No, 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 sorry. Ubisoft is do, uh, behind a new Star Wars game. The ones that are doing... Uh, the Indiana Jones is the same people that do Wolfenstein. I think that's Bethesda now. Which I love the story of the newer like Indiana Jones game or uh, Wolfenstein games. Can't stand the gameplay and stuff. I don't know. Just, you haven't been able to really get into it. the story. I, I dig the story. Anytime you're killing Nazis and stuff, it's just classic. I'm glad that they're bringing Indy back. You know, making killing Nazis and fighting Nazis cool again. <laughs> We're kind of getting away from that. <laughs> Like, we need to bring it back. We need Indy back. And I know they're supposed to be making a new film, but I, I don't know. I mean, fucking Harrison Ford's like 78 or 79 now. That seems like, uh, I mean, he's not the main, I can't really be the main protagonist very well in an action film, you know? <laughs> I mean, they could CG the shit out of him. I mean, I guess they could they could go the route of uh, Mark Hamill in uh, Mandalorian and just do some... Uh, you know, some major CG with that. I'm watching this fucking video of the Temple of Doom game. And uh, it's in the the mines. Uh, if you've ever watched Temple of Doom, which I would imagine most people who listen to this have watched Temple of Doom, I would hope. He's in the mines, and I guess he's releasing the children. But it looks like there's monkeys sticking their heads out of these holes, but I guess it's the children that he's trying to save. And... Man, the the video quality on this isn't great either. It's uh, it's pretty bad. I'm gonna have to pull up a clip of uh, Last Crusade. I feel like that one was better looking than uh, than the whole uh, <laughs> Temple of Doom shit. So uh, yeah, well, t- ooh, the graphics on the the opening screen look pretty fantastic uh, for a Nintendo game. Oh, the font is uh, awfully. Uh, blocky there has uh get to the game damn it it's all like story are they gonna play the whole game is this what's going on okay the game the last crusade does look a little bit better than the temple of doom if, if i remember correctly of course you get to ride the uh, mine train in the uh, temple of doom the new one they have released a teaser but all it is is uh for the new one, they have uh, all the stuff laid out on a table. Like there's a, I believe there's an airline ticket that puts the. As, as I've read, I didn't like investigate the clip myself too intently, but I read people like trying to look for Easter eggs in the teaser, as uh, they've said that uh, there's an airline ticket on there that says like puts it at 1937, which puts it between. Uh, the time of Raiders of the Lost Ark and uh, The Last Crusade. 
which the Temple of Doom, which is weird, I never realized until uh, doing this podcast several years back, I think it was Leslie that uh, had pointed out to me, that Temple of Doom happened before Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because if you watch at the beginning, it tells you the time, what year is going on. But uh, I was, and after that thing, I was like, why did they bother to, why does it matter that that happened before Raiders of the Lost Ark? But I guess because he had a different love interest. I'm not sure what the uh, reason for that had, why that had to happen before then. Uh, this stage that they're showing on here is uh, on the boat, if you remember, the Last Crusade, where uh, Indy, right after River Phoenix plays Indy, uh, in the past as a young child, then he goes on the boat to get back this cross that, uh, <clears throat> ooh, he just got the cross. He beat the stage. Um, but he goes back to get that as as the the adult indie, and uh, that's what's going on, on that stage. Man, hopefully they have the uh, there's some kind of puzzle. Okay, this game doesn't. Oh, here's the tank. Yeah, you get to fight on the tank. That's the part I really remember. <laughs> that's a great scene in the movie. Oh, I'm just remembering that Sean Connery passed away this year, so he was also you know. Played the Elder Jones. Called the dog, Indy. Uh, that is who I wanted to be as a kid, though, man. I Like, I wanted to be an archaeologist and stuff. Then I found out, I was like, oh, you don't go and fight Nazis and run from boulders. That's not really what you do. It's just digging is the main part. Uh, well, of course, I was excited about that, but... Uh, so, I'm, I'm, I'm not Indiana Jones, but uh, I have I have walked to the top of Skellig Michael. He should have probably have done that a few times. I feel like Andy probably did that. He probably found some secrets out on Skellig Michael that the uh, the monks had hidden from all the uh, times that the Vikings came and fucking killed them off and took their shit. They found hi- better hiding places on Skellig Michael. And Indy had to go there and get this special artifact. You know? Something along those lines. I feel that that definitely happened. <laughs> uh... So yeah, that's that's kind of exciting. I don't know how I feel about Bethesda doing it. I hope they do a good job. I know I like the stories and like the cutscenes that they have on Wolfenstein. So that could be promising. And I believe Lucas uh, Film Games or whatever is also uh, the Lucas Arts, I guess is what it's considered, is also involved. And I think Disney and Lucas Arts are like involved in this, as well as there's a of course new Star Wars open world game which is in early development. There's really not much details about it but apparently it's it's not EA it's uh, Ubisoft uh, Ubisoft is uh, I believe they make uh, Assassin's Creed and uh, they make uh, shit uh, Far Cry yeah they make Far Cry I know that I believe they also make Assassin's Creed but they're they're behind it and like eh, you know I don't know this is uh I've liked some stuff that EA's put out, but it's it's not like I haven't had the love for the games that I've had for like Star Wars of the past. But again, you know, I'm older. This could be part of the problem. I'm just you know, <laughs> games don't have the kind of I don't have the love for video games that I once did. That could be a real issue. Uh, like uh, I loved. I haven't played Squadrons yet. I hear Squadrons is good, and the last few times I played Star Wars games where there was flying, I just didn't care for the controls. 
that's what really killed it for me. But there was some classic old Star Wars games. Like, t- for the computer, there was TIE Fighter. And that game was uh, f- fucking awesome. And, uh, I mean, just... I loved the old uh, 64 game, uh, Shadows of the Empire. That was uh, that was not a fight, flying game. But... Uh, <clears throat> oh, here we go. I'm going to look at the TIE Fighter video game from 1994. LucasArts, right here. Right here, got some gameplay. For 94, man, the cutscenes look pretty damn good. (laughs) Okay, maybe not when you get to that part, but the Emperor looked pretty decent. The PC games, you know, they had much better look. It looks almost Mist-ish. I remember when Mist was, like, the greatest graphics around. It was so, uh, so amazing. But I I feel like Mist was able to get that to look so nice for, for the time. It doesn't look that good anymore. For the time, it definitely looked that good, I think, because the fact that, uh, you know, you weren't doing a lot of action all at once. There wasn't, con- it's not like a game where there's constant movement going on. You're just solving puzzles. So it's a lot of still shots. Oh, they're selecting the TIE Fighter. Okay, the gameplay on TIE Fighter, it's, uh, it doesn't hold up so much, <laughs> the look of it. I mean,. It's probably still fun to play. I remember it being really fun to play. But the graphics look a bit rough. As they are rather blocky. But I remember enjoying that game a lot. And my favorite, the flying games, were the Rogue Squadron games that started out on the Nintendo 64. I believe. I don't think they were on like the Super Nintendo. But I, I believe the first one came out on N64. Those games were fun. And of course they... Sadly, they replayed the same stages over and over again. There was like three or four of those games. And uh, <clears throat> that that did get a little repetitive. There was uh, Star Wars Dark Forces 2 for the PC. That was really good. And uh, I did like the Fallen... Was it Fallen Jedi? The, uh, the latest game? Uh, oh, man. Somebody redid Star Wars Dark Forces, and it looks fucking nice. You got side-by-sides. Uh, here's the original. Oh, man, they're playing through the whole fucking game. Oh, this is very Doom-esque. I remember <laughs> this game when it came out. This is, of course, uh, if you're not familiar with Dark Forces. Dark Forces is a first-person shooter uh, Star Wars game, and I... I don't remember what if you are like a stormtrooper or I mean you're fighting against the empire but I feel like you might be I I don't I guess you're like a rebel fighter but I feel like you might be in disguise I I could be wrong in that <laughs> it's hard to tell you don't see the look of the person uh but it's a first person shooter and uh it it's very doom looking because I mean it is that era. So it it looks a lot like Doom. Or Doom 2 and all that. Uh, I loved playing that game. But apparently there's a... I guess maybe somebody just... I don't think it's for release, but wow, yeah. They uh, upgraded the graphics here. This is a... Uh, yeah, it says here, this was... When was this posted? Damn it, I can't... Oh, this was posted this last September... 
And it says a professional game developer is remaking Star Wars Dark Forces in Unreal Engine 4 with incredible 2020 graphics. We'll cover that and more in today's Star Wars gaming video. This is a video off of uh, X2, E-C-K-S-T-O-O, their uh, web channel. Uh, oh, second channel of Eckhart's Ladder. That's, okay. Oh, wow. It looks pretty incredible. There's uh maybe maybe I will uh turn the sound up on this. Maybe because I've really enjoyed them and you guys have too based on the numbers I'm seeing. It's a bit of a dead zone for Star Wars gaming stuff. Squadrons is just under a month away, but Okay, damn it, I was hoping for some audio of the game. <laughs> Squadron they're showing the clips of squadrons. Man, that does look good. I uh, would like to play that. It's a cheaper game too. I feel like I could definitely play that. But oh man. Okay, the, still not the best in some of these shots of Dark Forces. Um, I wonder when that's coming out. Dark or if they're releasing it like a game. I'm going to look that up. Uh, it definitely looks a million times better than the uh, one that came out in the 90s. But I, I remember playing that game when uh, in German class we would do uh, every year they would have a poetry uh, I guess you call it a contest whatever uh we would have to learn memorize a german poem and recite it in front of our class and uh every year we would do, recite it in front of our class you had to do that part and then we would go to uh i think it was washington university and not SLU. i think it was washington university we would go to and the we would go to their campus, and they would have this big jo German uh, poetry contest thing where you would get up there and recite your poem. And uh, then they would judge who who did did it best. And uh, I never actually did did it at Wash U. I uh, I I did not like public. I don't like public speaking now. But then I was definitely fucking terrified of it uh <laughs> what i did when because we we didn't have to actually go and do that part we were only required to do it in front of the class so my friend jeremy and i we uh we went and played like uh, i know the one year we went and played star wars dark forces they had this uh area where we could play pc games <laughs> on campus so we fucking went over there and played dark forces one one time one year the the other year i think i feel like maybe that was the second year where we played dark forces the first year maybe we uh uh actually went and watched like the other people doing the stuff but i was like fuck yeah let's go play d i don't i mean we, we were just walking around campus i think is how we even came across it but we're just like fuck yeah we'll play some dark forces <laughs> uh there is yeah, it's a fan remake, so it's not even... Uh, can you get your hands on this? This is an article off of uh, PCGamer.com uh, by Fraser Brown. It says, Star Wars Dark Force is getting a fan remake from an Obsidian developer. Senior environment artist at Obsidian Jason Lewis is, re is creating a fan remake of Star Wars Dark Forces, which introduced the world to Kyle Katarn and the joys of shooting stormtroopers in first person back in 95. 
So far, he's been able to make a recreation of the first level that can be traversed from start to finish, screenshots of which can be found on his art station page. Oh, here we go. I can see it. Wow. He's got some nice looking stuff on here. There's uh, the Outer Worlds. There's. He spent some time doing this shit. Docking Bay 94, Mos Eisley. There's a. Uh, Anyway, I am not signing up for your shit, PC Gamer. <laughs> okay, so it's shaping up very nicely, especially when compared to its predecessor from two decades prior. As well as exteriors, Lewis has been working on the interiors of the Empire's base, which look appropriately menacing and shiny. In his most recent update posted three months ago, he said the environments were mostly done. Uh, we need fodder for our blasters, of course. So the next challenge is making a stormtrooper. Lewis isn't a character artist so he says he'll need help with the human characters although he's also going to give it a try himself another of Lewis Star Wars projects was also spotted on YouTuber uh, Blue Drake 42 it's called Docking Bay 94 uh, and recreates the hive of scum and villainy in that is Mose Eisley Blue Drake conflates the two projects in his video Apparently they're separate. You can actually play the Docking Bay 94 demo too, so grab it here. Oh, I can play it. Oh, no, I can't. I got an error. It says, sorry, there is a problem. We could not locate the item you were trying to view. Error code 2D161 forward slash one. <laughs> Damn you. Uh... So, uh, while the sequel was light years uh, better, I've got a soft spot for old Dark Forces, which 10-year-old Fraser uh, was immediately sold on by the promise of playing Doom, but in Star Wars. And if Doom can't get a flashy modern remake, why not this? Yeah, and that's it. That's it on the article. Here's another. I'll pull this video up. It's the Docking Bay 94. It's, uh... Oh, it's just stills. Damn it. It's hoping for, like, a... It's all the stills. He did a good job on the interior design here. There's a, It definitely looks a lot better than, than the OG. That's a lot of work, man, for one person. That's got to take for fucking ever. A lot of fucking work. Oh, why can't I play that? Why am I getting this air message? I would enjoy to play this, the Mose Eisley part. See, this this gets me excited, seeing this, though, and knowing that there's going to be more people making Star Wars games. Apparently, EA is still probably going to put out more games, like uh, I believe their Jedi Fallen Order uh, is supposed to have a sequel, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <clears throat> which, uh, that game's all right. It's not kind of game I was kind of hoping for. The, like the Star Wars Dark Forces, this seems exciting to me. I love good FPS. It's a... Uh, I don't know, just something uh, I can jump in real quickly and just shoot a bunch of people, you know, without shooting real people. I would have would just like to preface that with uh, or whatever. Just tag that on at the end because I, I don't have any real desire to kill real human people. That's never been a thing. But for some reason, it, in a video game, it's cathartic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even own a gun, so. Uh, but, uh this uh, docking bay here. Looks like you did a pretty good job. That's really impressive for one person. So, it would be great to see more Star Wars games. I know I do like the uh, 
Battlefront was was cool. I did like Battlefront, <clears throat> but I feel like there's gonna be some better games out there. That's that's for sure. I mean, there's I mean, it's such a big universe, and there could be. I mean, I feel like there hasn't been any real more imagine reimagining of Star Wars games. Like, there's not any like new ones. There's there's the flying game, you know, and that. I guess Fallen Order was like different. It was like an adventure game, like just you're just searching for shit, but it was copies of other games. I felt like early on when Star Wars games came out, a lot of times they were making newer, I guess not really when I think about it. <laughs> they were just rehashes of other games. But it would be, I mean, it's exciting though to see other Star Wars games. If I can ever afford to play, get, buy games, you know, buying a house could, <laughs> man, I really got to, <laughs> I really got to make more money. Uh, hopefully I do become a web developer at some point, make a little bit of cash. Uh, this is the only way I'm ever going to leave the country again, unfortunately, unless I start selling off kidneys or something. I could, maybe if I sold out off a kidney, which my kidneys I think are shot, but if I could sell it for, you know, like 20, 30 grand, I could get one last vacation in, right? <laughs> or two. I feel like that just take a trip to Mexico and sell a kidney. Maybe that'll work. Maybe it won't. It sounds like a horrible. I don't. I don't know if I, you know trust that so much. Maybe I'd go to Canada. They probably have some black, <laughs> black market surgeons, right? I mean, hell, the guy, the guy from uh, Heaven's Gate. His name eludes me at the moment, but the leader, the uh, shit, yeah. Uh, Tea and dough is what they call. I forget if he was tea or dough, but then he had, you know, his his human name, his normal name. Uh, it's like right on the tip of my fucking tongue. Uh, <laughs> damn it! Uh, I forgot where I was even going with that. He had. Uh, there was a oh my god, Marshall Applewhite. That was the fucker's name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Talking about making money, I'd have to go back and l- listen to that, <laughs> which I'm not gonna do. And now I'm just staring at Marshall Applewhite's eyes, and he's freaking me out. He's telling me I need to get on that uh, UFO. And uh, oh yeah, the surgeon. Yeah, I wanted to get a surgeon that would sell my kidney. That's right. Uh, <laughs> there was. If he could find a surgeon that was willing to just, like, fucking castrate guys, and apparently a real doctor, because if you watch, there's a documentary on HBO Max uh, about them, and we talked about this, I guess, a couple weeks ago, maybe it was even last week. No, I feel it was a few more weeks than that about that documentary, but there's... uh, We had talked about it on the podcast. Anyway, there was... uh, a moment and they talk about in that documentary where they came up with the idea that they needed to castrate the male members, you know, the men and of course their members. Uh, and they attempted it at first, I guess they thought there's no way they could get a doctor to go along with this. So they did it themselves and almost killed a guy that was in there. And then apparently that was the moment where Marshall Applewhite, the leader, was just like, ooh, man, I, I, I fucked this all up. And then the the followers really <laughs> were like, no, no, we, 
we must continue on this you're the you're the prophet is the the impression i got from the documentary at least uh but after that they found a doctor that was willing to castrate for them i'm like who the (laughs) what doctor like oh you want to chop your dick off let's do this I'll, i'll do it upright for you but i mean i guess i mean guess there's i mean if you can turn your dick into a vagina by paying a doctor i mean i guess it's no surprise that they would just castrate you Ugh. now i'm gonna look at the castration part i want more details on that oh there's a heaven's gate castration reddit this ought to be good uh hmm castration list It's give, I forgot. Yeah, they had name. They had, all had to change their names to some weird shit. Uh, like Adi. Uh, there's Doe. I get was Doe. I guess that was uh, Marshall Applewhite. S. Roddy. T. T. R. Soddy. Whatever the fuck. They got the weird. Uh. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> people uh comments on here strawberry margarita writes a month ago damn it veronati uh he was so young and cute i can't help but think of mcmurphy talking to billy in uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest what are you doing here you ought to be out in a convertible bird dogging chicks and banging beaver <laughs> it's sad uh fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> they put their actual <laughs> Uh, here's another one on Reddit going on saying that today I learned in the Heaven's Gate cult who committed mass suicide in 97 had rules against even thinking about sex. It's got so bad that uh, some male members opted to get castrated. And of course you got to say male members when you point uh, saying that. One male member said he flipped a coin with another member and the winner would be would get castrated. Or oh sorry, would get to be castrated. <laughs> Such a winning, such a win there. Uh, <laughs> ugh. And uh, two years ago, Phil Subby wrote on that. Ultimately, the group uh, instituted a strict no sex, no human level of relationships, no socializing rule. Though decisions like this were always left up to the members. Eight followers were castrated voluntarily, including Applewhite. They couldn't stop smiling and giggling. Former member D'Angelo told Newsweek they were excited about it. Ugh. Yeah. As uh, <laughs> yeah, I was hoping for some more thing. Like I don't know, some more funny things in there, but it's it's not really. It's just talking about. Hmm. Yeah, that if you watch that documentary though, I mean, it's kind of like I'm not sure how to take it. I almost feel like it's a uh, pamphlet for uh, <laughs> Heaven's Gate. Like, please join. Like, this is a. <laughs> kind of get you in the feeling like you know you know they're not so bad you know maybe they're not so bad (laughs) maybe they are right there's that old adam sandler bit uh i think off his second album uh what the hell happened to me or uh whatever the name of the i believe it's the second album that he put out there's a sketch on there where uh his buddies there's two friends and one's trying to convince the other one to join a cult and then uh it's talking about later and just like you know you were so right they were right whenever i had to kill my parents they had to die <laughs> you know fuck the sun 
uh, it was something along the lines of enjoying it cold. It was it was a funny bit. I used to watch or uh, listen to Adam Sandler's albums a lot. I was a I was a big fan of uh, of the Sandman, the Sandman. I did like his special too that was on Netflix, that uh, the comedy special. And that would have been awesome to go see him live, although pretty expensive if I recall. Whenever he had tickets, as man, the Sandman. I need to watch. Happy Gilmore again. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Oh, here's a video on the evolution of Star Wars games. It's gonna, you know, I never did get to play the old Knights of the Old Republic. I feel like I probably would have enjoyed that, but I believe that started out on the uh, Xbox. Ooh, here's the 1983 Star Wars arcade. It looks so bad, so bad. <laughs> I'm sure I played this at some point, but I'm not. Re- I don't really recall. 1983 Star Wars Jedi Arena. Is that that looks worse than the first one? <laughs> and I don't know what was going on in that. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. Here we go. Star Wars: Return of the Jedi Death Star Battle in '83, where at least I can make out the Millennium Falcon. That last one, it was just some weird. I couldn't make out the objects. This one looks pretty sweet, actually. This was uh, available for arcade and Commodore as well as Atari. It's Star Wars: Return of the Jedi, and it actually looks pretty decent considering the time of '84. Uh, man. Oh, it's got the Death Star. You're flying inside the Death Star. And it's 87 Star Wars for the NES. I know I played this, but I don't really remember it. It's, uh... Man, did I... I feel like maybe I didn't. Then in 87, there was an MSX, which I did not have. I don't even know what the fuck the MSX was. But Ewoks and the Dan... Dandelion Warriors? Dandelion Warriors? (laughs) Dan Dillion? <laughs> uh, there's a fucking wicket just throwing spears, chucking spears, you know? Uh, I feel like there's a, maybe some Jar Jar type shit going on there. This uh, There's another one here for the Commodore 64, which came out in 88. Star Wars Droids, The Adventures of R2-D2. And it looks pretty bad. It looks pretty bad. The uh, Return of the Jedi one is the best looking one so far. 91 Star Wars, the NES. This one, and it came out on Game Gear as well as the Master System. GB, I don't know what the fuck. Oh, Game Boy. Uh, 91's uh, Star Wars Attack of the Death Star. And that was, I guess, on PC and some other systems that I'm not familiar with. It, It doesn't look the greatest. It's a shooter flying one. This one doesn't look right. <laughs> this is another one on the NES. I did not realize there was this many Star Wars games on the original Nintendo, but apparently there were. Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back, which looks like he's on Dagobah. Luke here with what appears to be a, a red saber. What is he doing with a red lightsaber? He's got the X-Wing now. It's for Game Boy and NES. And, I man, I really don't remember that. And for PC, I, th- you know, I think I might have played this a little bit as Super Star Wars in '92. The graphics, at least, are getting better. There's Chewbacca. You can play as Chewbacca. That's exciting. Star Wars Jazz. I remember that. I didn't have Sega CD, but I did play it on PC. I believe at Trebejo's house. That was a, that was a cool little deal because it reminded me much of the uh, chess type thing that they had on the 
sort of not really of the uh, on the Millennium Falcon. Ooh, I had th- this one. This is the Star Wars Arcade '93. Uh, came out on uh, arcade, of course, and the Sega 32X. One of the few games I had in the 32X. I played the shit out of this game. It looks really shitty now. <laughs> really shitty. Uh, Star Wars Rebel Assault. That was another PC game. I feel like I did. Yeah, I did. I think I played that over Trebejos. I think I vaguely remember playing that. And this one, Super Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back. I know I played that one. Uh, uh I think over at uh, my my good friend Todd's house. Uh, pretty sure there's Han Solo. Get to play him. And then uh, Super Star Wars: Return of the Jedi. I feel like I played The Empire Strikes Back, not The Return of the Jedi. Man, that looks pretty good. I want to play this right now. Fuck. This makes me want to get an emulator. There's Star Wars TIE Fighter. That looks really shitty compared to some of these other games. Assault 2. Shadows of the Empire. That's good shit. That came out in 96. And as I'm just like rattling off titles, I feel like this is <laughs> really going off the rails here. That was a good game. But that There was some good stuff in there. It was weird, though, because it was supposed to, like... It was almost like they couldn't get the rights to Han Solo for that game. Maybe Han, uh, Harrison Ford didn't want his persona being used in a game or something. I don't know what was going on, but it was uh, Dash Rendar and not, he was, I guess, friends of uh, Han Solo, Mr. Rendar. Like, I don't know why they couldn't just make a Han Solo game. I You know, I, I feel like I got to look into that. This is... Uh, This is a a very vexing question. <laughs> I can't spell again. Uh, Han Solo. <clears throat> there is a <laughs> Wikipedia. Why isn't he the main character? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm not seeing... Damn it. There was... That's a classic fucking game, but I don't... It does seem odd. Again, dude, Dash Rendar. Why the fuck? <laughs> and why do I remember his name? <laughs> uh, this is on Esquire. It says, if you grew up a Star Wars kid in the late 90s, you may have been lucky enough to get an early lesson in profanity while an older sibling made their way through the infuriating Nintendo 64 classic Shadows of the Empire. Like many early console games, the 96 third-person shooter from LucasArts could fill your heart with the excitement of this bold new medium of 3D storytelling, only to crush your fucking soul. I added the fucking. Uh, with merciless gameplay, chunky graphics, and a control scheme that seemed designed for the hands of a billy goat. The controls were pretty shitty. <laughs> I tried to play that in the last uh, a couple of years ago, and it was, man, it was rough. I, I don't remember if I beat the game. I know I got pretty far in it uh, when I first played it, but... Now it's like, okay, fuck this. But uh, it says, while kids today are suiting up in their Chewbacca masks and Lando capes to see the origins of Han Solo play out on the big screen, many old school fans, I guess they wrote this at the time of Solo film, can't help but recall the exploits of Dash Rendar, the main character in Shadows, and the franchise's only smuggler story. Dash is uniquely recognizable in the Star Wars universe, not only for his maroon hair and puffy vest, but as one of the few characters who had been afforded a video game, comic book, novel, and toy set, even though he'd never been featured in an actual film. 
Shadows of the Empire followed Dash and Lebo, his humanoid partner in crime, traversing the galaxy in a frisbee-shaped ship ship that no way, shape, or form resembled the Millennium Falcon. It was whiter and had a flatter hull. <laughs> An early experiment in broadening a franchise's narrative universe shadows picks up right around the time Han Solo is encased in carbonite towards the end of Empire Strikes Back. Dash, who is, the, is first introduced in the game as a fellow smuggler who once nearly bested Solo in a spaceship race, is now tasked with retrieving Solo's frozen body from Fett and thus the ginger mercenary becomes, for better or far worse, the stand-in for Harrison Ford's iconic character. And yada yada. Man, that game was, it was fucking hard. Like, the controls made it a bitch. A lot of the games around that time period, controls could be real, real shitty. But a lot of the, I, people really seem to hate the Nintendo 64 controller, but I felt a lot of games really utilized the controller. Like, I thought GoldenEye on the Nintendo 64, the control controller was just fucking awesome for that. The way it, it, it was a rather large, it was a very large com- controller. One of the biggest controllers around. Fucking Nintendo 64. And just looking at it, it's like, man, that is a shitty <laughs> controller. This is the thought that, you know, comes to mind. Uh... But the man, the having those uh, arrow buttons on there for side scrolling or uh, not side scrolling, but uh, juking and stuff is uh, it just made flying through GoldenEye so so e- so smooth, and it, it was it was fun to fun to play, fun to play that one. My my favorite to this day, first person shooter, GoldenEye on the Nintendo sixty four. So much fun. And when I played Perfect Dark, it was also made by Rare. And uh, very similar to GoldenEye. I mean, they used the same... They, you could even play like the same levels on the uh, Team Deathmatch stuff. Or it wasn't Team Deathmatch at that point, I guess. Unless you had like four players. But uh, <laughs> I enjoy... Whenever I play Perfect Dark, I would always just play the Bond stages. <laughs> Because, I mean, I just love the bond. The ding, 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 uh, Good stuff. Very good stuff. I, one of my favorite controllers, too, uh, was... Uh, I don't know if I have a favorite go-to controller. I guess I'm just so used to the PlayStation controller now at this point. Like, PlayStation controller, even the one I use on my PC is straight up late. I can use also on my, my PlayStation. But, man... The uh, Dreamcast controllers, those were pretty fucking sweet, which uh, I guess you you can probably do this on the Nintendo Switch, which I, I've only played the Switch a little bit, but they have, uh, the Dreamcast had a little uh, screen you could plug in, almost like a, at the time it was like basically a memory card, but it also had, I guess it had Rumble Pack and stuff in it that you plugged in, and it had a little LCD screen on it. And you could pull up, like, so if you're playing uh, sports games, you could uh, uh, pull up the uh, all that good stuff, like your plays and all that stuff. Sorry, <laughs> reading stuff. Um, you could bring up all your sports plays. Like, if you're going to do a draw, running play, right up the gut, you pull your play up on there, and then your opponent, you're playing somebody right next to you they can't look and see what uh, plays you're running and uh, 
Uh, it was pretty cool. At the time, it was really cool. And it was the, one of the first systems, console systems, where you could actually hook up to the internet. And I think I had that before I had my first PC, actually. And I, I remember using the browser, internet browser on there. And uh, they had, like, a disk you had to put in there and shit. It was some shitty-ass internet connections. It was dial-up back then, so there wasn't much anyway. Even on a normal computer you could do, but then on Dreamcast you were very limited. But it was really cool that you could actually put that fucker up on the internet and play. Now that I got the insanely good connection on the internet, I can't imagine trying to go back <laughs> and see what the old dial-up connection would do for me. I, I, oh, I'm having flashbacks now, just loading up images, like getting ready to bait or something, you know, pulling up some pictures of, of, of then, like before, you know, Pornhub and all the streaming porn services were around. You could find, like, nude pictures and stuff on the Internet, but most of the time it wasn't like you couldn't just get, like, Playboy out of the gate. You couldn't get, like, Playboy pictures and stuff. Maybe Playboy, but there was... There wasn't such a abundance of uh, at one point in time. There wasn't an abundance of porn where you could just find naked pictures at one click. But if, uh, or maybe it was just the fact that I wanted specific. Uh, like I'd go for like I'm <laughs> looking at uh, supermodels and stuff. Like look at them with like where you could see the nips and such. You know, early baiting material, as uh, I recall. It seemed like 15 minutes to load up a goddamn picture. I don't remember how long it took to dial up, but it was just like you'd get like, oh, there's another line. You can see another line on the image. <laughs> As it just slowly loads onto the page. And just like, oh, oh, I see the nipple. Oh, it's like, oh, I'm done. I'm done. In the same amount of time now, like if I was going to bait off something on the internet, it would be like, okay, I've watched like five different videos or, or gone, flipped through a few, you know, or spent like, you know, 12 minutes on one video, like of, of a, a video with many different positions and stuff that I've seen in the time that it would have taken me to get like just that one little nipple to load up on a page. <laughs> that is a bit of an exaggeration. It didn't really take that long, but it took too long to like load up an image. I can't imagine what it would have been like to like try to stream video then. That would have been. That would have been a nightmare. Oh, just having flashbacks now. We've talked a lot too on the on this podcast in years past of the uh oh man. The style project. That that site was fucked up. <clears throat> there was a uh, hmm. Here we go. Style Project Wiki. There, uh, man, I feel like there's got to be more information about that. There's a. Uh, <laughs> no, there's like different style project things. Um, I want to know the history about it. I feel like that. There's a, damn it. See, this is all about, like, style. And I, <laughs> I feel like it was spelt wrong, though. Like, maybe they put an I in there instead of the Y. Oh, here we go. I think I found it. 
Oh, the, it does still exist. I didn't think it existed anymore. Oh, my God. What the fuck? It's just all porn now, isn't it? Holy shit. It does still exist. Now, yeah, it is all porn. It used to be... Style Project used to have... More... Like, you could find... Oh, man. This computer's going to totally get viruses now. <laughs> yeah, this is all fucking porn now. Fuckers. Uh... Damn it. But yeah, it used to be you could watch like funny videos on there. There was like happy there was the uh I don't know, there, there was a lot of different like flash videos and stuff. And you could have uh <laughs> that stuff where it's like a- funny animated videos, happy tree friends, that sort of shit and uh just whatever uh you were it was like an early version of like YouTube. I feel like it was around before YouTube. And there was a. I gotta look, find out the history of that. There was a. Yeah, there was so many different videos. You could watch, like, videos they would, uh, when they would leak videos of the military, like, killing people and stuff. And there was. So there was, like, also, like, what appeared. Not quite stuff snuff films, but I mean there was people dying in videos and such, and there was just it was some fucked up shit. Uh, this is the Wikipedia page here. Hey, it's Wikipedia's twentieth birthday. Um, <laughs> it says Style Project is a website founded by a writer and webmaster known by the pseudonym J Style. Style started the site when he was in high school, and he ran it for twelve years under the alias J Style. Style Project grew into a large network of counterculture, amateur adult entertainment, and current event sites, forums, and more, collectively called StyleNet. That's okay. Maybe that's... uh, Style announced that he had sold Style Project according to Style. After selling the website, he went on to study computer science and received his postgraduate academic degree in 2013. So, yeah, there's not a whole lot. The content here, it says the register referred to the styleproject.com as a shock site in a 2001 article. The website assembled vast visual libraries of any taboo or depravity that could be digitized in the early 2000s as the web's leading repository of crude filth, probably the most reliable source of tastelessness in the history of the Internet. That seems pretty accurate, if I recall, from going on there. Its content was criticized for its shock value, particularly a video showing a Korean villager killing, cooking, and eating a cat. I don't remember that one. Uh, I didn't see every video. There's a lot of videos. Uh, that was from a BBC documentary, Culture Shock. It was highly publicized and denounced by PETA, who sought a federal invest- investigation, which did not occur. Style reportedly faked his own suicide live on webcam in 99. And he confirmed the hoax in 2012. Open source software and porn were memorialized in Jay Styles' horde of erotic Linux slut images. <laughs> As the site evolved, uh, surviving purported web host troubles, a major hacking incident, and by 2004, purported, purportedly not grossing out teenagers anymore, <laughs> the Style Project's content grew increasingly pornographic. So yeah, it looks like it's just street porn now. But, man, it was some fucked up shit on there back in the day. Fucked up shit. It's a fucking... I mean, like, my brain is... 
I feel like I have the thousand yard stare after the shit I saw in Style Project. Uh, I wish I wouldn't have clicked on that site now. And like, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that man, that site was, whew, good stuff. But yeah, maybe uh, hopefully by April, uh, April, 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 <laughs> I'll have uh, my own abode. That's what I'm shooting for. We'll see what happens. I still am waiting a uh, reply from the bank to see uh. The status on me getting a mortgage loan is like what I'll be able to get, yada, yada. But uh, I'll be able to set up, a, hopefully, a nice little uh, setup going on. Uh, maybe uh, rent out a studio. Who knows? Or rent. Yeah. Have a space that I can have a, let other people do podcasts and stuff. Maybe start, you know, a, a podcast network. Probably still not making any money doing it, but, you know, it'll uh, keep me preoccupied. Because I, I, I like I don't have enough stuff to do. <laughs> uh, I like creating more work for myself, and then not seeing any uh, benefit reward out of it. It's like I hate myself. Uh, but on that note, uh, <laughs> I think I'm about good here. Uh, hopefully, uh, well, uh, hopefully too. Once things get settled down, get uh, you know the uh, inoculated with uh the vaccine which my looks like my mom should be able to get at least soon uh she is uh in the uh older age bracket so she's definitely more uh susceptible to the virus so she but she should be able to get in this next week hopefully maybe a couple more months maybe uh i'll be able to get it and uh, so then maybe it, it won't be so bad to get uh, maybe more people who want to go out and do like the podcast. And if I get like a real nice studio set up, I can convince other people to uh, join me uh, once again. So it'll be uh, a little bit more entertaining. As uh, yeah, other than that, I got uh, that's all I got. So as always, that's a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can.